This is The Wealth Puzzle with Michael Mansfield from The Lynn Group. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Michael provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is The Wealth Puzzle with Michael Mansfield. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is Mike Mansfield and Tana Pennington with The Wealth Puzzle, of course, doing the uh, the intro yes. that is always expected. It's like, uh, well, I don't get it. But anyways, hey, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Once again, we're, we're here to chitty chat about all of the uh, financial funness going mm-hmm. on in the world. You know, at the Lynn Group, we do retirement income planning. We help people mm-hmm. figure out the mystery of what they do, right? You, you save all of these things. You work hard your whole life. You put all your money in your 401k. You pay into social security. You do, you do, you do. But then you kind of get to the finish line and say, well, wait a second. How do I use all of this stuff effectively? And that's what we do. We help build the big picture. We help you understand how to cash flow your investments, how to become tax efficient, how to plan for your legacy, how to plan for your care, how to plan for all the what ifs. You know, what if uh, taxes go up? What if inflation is a thing? Right? Mm-hmm. That's not a thing. But it could be the um, so that's what we do. But, you know, Tan and I like to do this show. We like to kind of chitty chat some current events and the things that might be impacting you from a financial standpoint. But first, first and foremost, the failures. We, we should have like a failure hour segment, something like that. And so last week we inter- we invited Connor onto the show. Connor, you get these. Tax He's guys awesome. These, these tax people. Come on. Anyways. So. Turns out, fun fact, I hate technology. And so as usual, technology is always working against us. So for all of our podcast listeners, all you folks, I got a couple responses about the show. People actually asked a couple questions and and that was the end of it. No problems for the, the people that go on and watch the show so that you can see our pretty faces, see the the ads or not the ads, the, the articles that we're putting up and all that fun stuff. You notice something, right? That you needed um, 3D goggles to see the show. <laughs> Can you ever watch a 3D movie without the goggles and it's all like blurry? That's like uh, maybe that's what maybe that's what it was. It was a trick. It was a 3D oh, show. Dear. So, anyways, our I once everything was loaded and on YouTube and on Rumble and everywhere, we realized the video quality was just utter garbage. And uh, turns out it's Connor's fault. No, no, it's Swearsies. So the way that it works is remember, Tan and I always have high, nice, high quality videos. So when Connor got on, he. I don't know what he did. Maybe he didn't do anything, but somehow his, his Mm. recording was set to like 480p. That's Mm. not even standard definition. That's like, (laughs) that's like 1996 video quality, (laughs) uh, you know, home recording quality. And uh, unfortunately the way that this fancy Uh, stuff works when you got people going is it reverts to the lowest quality uh, recorder. So uh, Connor just flubbed our whole easy mistake uh, viewing experience. I expect more from him. How can I trust him to do my taxes if he can't even? Oh, he's totally he awesome. If he can't even get his <laughs> that is not a reflection right. on his skills. <laughs> anyways, anyways, moving on. So I apologize for any of the video viewers who are like, "What the heck? Do I need glasses? Something is different." Um, it was unfortunately our fault. But hey, with every uh, thing like that, you learn something new. So here we are. Yeah. 
Got a lot to talk about here. Let me uh, let me pop something up here. So Tan and I were just chitty chatting. Let me do me old sh- uh, screen share. Let's see how we do this. <laughs> click, 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 window, and then click, and then share, and booyah. Here we go. So Perfect. this was a fun ad we came across the other day. Ad. Why do I keep saying ad? Ad instead of article. 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 <laughs> we don't have any ads. I gotta train myself. <laughs> the um. Maybe we should. Let's stop for a commercial break. We got to make some new videos for that. The uh, So, hey, this is this is interesting. Remember, my job function is to help people with their finances. I believe in provident living. I am a fiscally responsible person. I do not like leverage. I do not like debt. Now, granted, right. not all financial planners are like me and Tana. They say, oh, my gosh, you know, look at how cheap it is to borrow money. Why don't you borrow the cheap money and then you can invest it. You can work on the spread. It's going to be awesome. You're going to be rich. But what if? Yeah. I've met enough people in, in the what if game of using margin in their investment accounts mm-hmm. of running up too much debt of saying, oh, my gosh, if I take money out of my house and buy three more rental properties. Right. <laughs> yeah. In some scenarios, it works out really well. And you know what? In as many scenarios, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so over the years, my attitude has been I like my clients to be as conservative, safe, responsible as possible. Doesn't mean we don't invest. Doesn't mean we don't take risk. Doesn't mean we don't try to grow our assets. Mm-hmm. But from a debt standpoint, we want to be responsible. Um, I have no problem with mortgage debt. I mean, that's kind of a necessary evil. You have mm-hmm. to live somewhere. You have to you know, pay rent one way or another. But when you get into putting your Disney dream cruise on your credit card and, mm. you know, you want to go hit up Nordstrom so that you can be looking tight, you know, with your friends, you know, all cool or whatever, you know, I, I'm just really not a fan of that stuff. Yeah, you know, I agree. I, I, I'm a huge advocate of paying stuff off as quickly as you can. And, and you use debt as a control measure. Like I have a lot of clients, for example, that because of their tax situation, because of their asset situation, what we'll do is we'll, we'll, we'll definitely use some short-term debt. Maybe we'll use a home equity line of credit to address some short-term financial needs, knowing that as soon as we get to January, we'll then use this taxable account to pay it off and quell it. So there are some certainly teeter-tottering balance effects that are unique to mm-hmm. everybody. But in a general concept of you want a new pair of shoes and you have no money, I'm the kind of guy that says you should tread lightly on that. Mm-hmm. The um, so, anyways, no one, no one seems to agree with me, right? Because <laughs> here we go: household debt jumps by the most in 14 years, to nearly 15 trillion in the second quarter. Ouch! Hot diggity dog. What do we got here? So uh, let's see here: um, household debt rose 300 billion in the second quarter. Uh, over the, the past four quarters, mortgage obligations have totaled close to 4.6 trillion which is about 44% of home balances. But if I scroll down to this chart, you can kind of see what's, if you're watching the show on Rumble or on YouTube, you can see the chart. So it's showing what is that household debt made out of? A huge swath of it is mortgage. Right. There's a little bit of home equity line of credits, kind of revolving credit. You've got auto loans, you've got credit cards, you've mm-hmm. got student loans, and then you've got other. What's other? I don't know. <laughs> It's the, sm- it's the smallest one. Who cares about other? The, uh, you know, obviously, consistently, you can see the the dark blue if you're looking at the chart, or excuse me, the lighter blue is the well. Crud, now I'm torn because the darkest one is dark blue, and then the light blue. There's is, three is, shades is, of blue. So the the medium blue. I don't know. <laughs> the in between blue is the biggest one, and on the in between blue. Uh, you know, obviously mortgages make up a massive amount of debt. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, what's been happening in real estate the last year or two? 
it's been booming, yes. right? Real estate valuations are going Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Buying it like hotcakes. Um, so mortgage debt is well past where it was in the 2008 time period. It's well past where it was back in t- pre-COVID 2020. All of that stuff is going up quite a bit. But at least from a mortgage standpoint, you see on the chart, it's pretty consistent, right? It's just always been this big thing. Whereas the light blue is the student loan debt. And you see this chart goes back to, I don't know what, you know, 2003, 2002, something like that. Right. And, you know, it's uh, the uh, student loan thing's been getting a little fatter and fatter over time. So that one's creeping. That's kind of an interesting one. Car loans getting a little larger than life over the years. Mm -hmm. So creeping up. Um, now credit card looks the same. Now it's ironic though, like student loans and, and car loans are kind of the same. Mm-hmm. But remember, Tana, nobody can afford their student loans, but they can afford their car loans. Yeah, that's a, even, yeah. Even though it's about the same, pretty weird. <laughs> um, I also thought, like when I was reading the article, I thought this was funny. So total debt balances jump. You know, as I mentioned earlier, over three hundred billion dollars. Uh, the sharpest rise since the same period in 2007. 2007's hmm. kind of a funny time period, right? We right. Uh, the stock market had been running up pretty hard since mm-hmm. 2003. Um, people are feeling good. You know, we're taking out some debt right because life is awesome. And what they were doing is they were sitting on the the the, the doorstep of uh the um Great Recession. Yeah. Right. The mortgages fell apart in 2008, really the end of 2007, actually, but started rolling over big time. 08 crashed into 2009. Um, Interesting mess. So, you know, when people start getting overly comfortable, overly excited, feeling like they can take on more debt and all of that stuff, you know, to me, that's naturally a red flag because Mm -hmm. how, how can we be fiscally responsible if we have so many debt obligations now? Let's talk about it, right? What, what what are some of the things going on right now, Tana? What is the what has the government said about your student loans, for example? Well, they're starting to say that possibly you will not need to pay them back. So right, and and they've deferred the payments right. so far, right? You know, and so I find this fascinating, right? So because remember, people are sitting on more cash than they've mm-hmm. sat in in a long time. The the M two money supply, which is checking savings, money markets kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. That's increased over 30% in the last year. People are sitting on a lot of cash. They're taking out a lot of debt. They're buying Mm -hmm. bigger houses. They're buying nicer cars. They're, they're taking out student loans. And all of a sudden the government is saying, Hey, yeah, good point. You don't have to pay that stuff back. Yeah. It's terrible. Right. Because you're sitting on more money than normal. You're not making any of your payments. And so to me, it's weird that this stuff is getting inherently bigger because why aren't you being responsible and making your payments if you have the money? Right. Like that is that is the fundamental conundrum for me is if the government has given you the resources that you need, like why why wouldn't it be like, okay, here's the deal. We're we're gonna give you money to not go to work to supplement things so that your bit your life is normal, right? What what does that mean? That you you keep paying your bills. But why would they say we're gonna make sure that your income is intact? And oh, part two, you don't have to pay any of your bills either. Yeah. Like, I don't understand the that, part two part. Right. Like, I can understand one of those things, meaning, hey, we're not giving you a bunch of extra money. However, you don't have to pay your bills. Right. But not both. But why'd you get both? Because what it's, what's it equating mm-hmm. to, because we see it in the M2 money supply, is that people are winning. People are sitting on more savings mm-hmm. than they ever have. People are, you know, they're still buying more stuff than they ever have. I mean, remember Amazon a month ago. 
Amazon Prime Day, $11 billion in sales. Mm. Oh, phew, sounds like people are hurting. <laughs> Crazy. But they but everything that's sold on Amazon is a need, and that's what's important. <laughs> Everyone got their toilet paper for the next crisis. <laughs> It'd be kind of interesting, like to see what the top list of purchases are. Oh yeah, come on! You know that you know that forty five percent of it is just garbage. Yeah, you know, like I, you know, my kid's last birthday, I bought a hundred glow in the dark rocks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, woo, gosh, solving problems. <laughs> Same day delivery. Necessities. Um, but that's what's funny about that stuff is is the problem is is sensory overload, right? We have so much access to this stuff. It is so easy. If I if I have a thought in my head, Tana, right now while we're talking, <laughs> oh my gosh, I wonder if they're selling the classic Dumbo DVD. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you can look it up real Tana, quick. Talk for two seconds. Oh, I got it. It'll be here tomorrow. I'll be watching it. You know, you know, there, there's in the old days, you had to like, oh, write it on a piece of paper, and then I'll get on my horse and go to town. <laughs> And maybe the I can put store. it on layaway. <laughs> It'll show up in six months. Make payments on it. Or make payments of one penny. A layaway. On it. Uh, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we have so technology much. might be our yes. undoing here. <laughs> you know, it's like the opposite with investing. You have people that stare at their investments all day long. Mm -hmm. And then they, they, yeah, I get text messages from, yeah. from the usuals where they're like, what are we going to do? Panic. The market's down 50 points. And then like 15 minutes later, well, it's up 10. Oh, what are we doing now? You know, it's just <laughs> like, oh boy. Yeah, what you do is you put your phone away and you uh, go enjoy life. You know, go get some vitamin D outside or something. Uh, so in any case, very interesting chart. Debt is creeping up, scares the mm -hmm. heck out of me because I believe in fiscal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And there's two tiers of debt, right? There's the government, which is a train wreck. Mm -hmm. And then there's the the personal, which we're looking at here. But one way or right. another, America is feeling fat and happy when it comes to their debt obligations. So, hey, you know what? I guess we're all doing really well. So we can just afford all this stuff. The 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 further irony too, when you look at like car loans versus student loans, which is such an alienation to me, is the average car loan statistically right now um, is is more than it's about the same as the average amount of student loans an individual hmm. has. So how come when I drive by the middle school, <laughs> middle school, the high school, and every kid's driving a Beamer, yeah. and you know how come I, I go around town and everyone's got a nicer car than me? Yeah, it's interesting that people put more value or are more willing to make a big, you know, auto payment rather than well, but isn't that the irony? loan payment. But yeah. isn't that the irony is, is, oh, and, and you finance a car typically over like five or six right. years where student loans can be for many, many, many years. Exactly. Um, And so you say, oh, I got my sweet whip though. And that's all that matters. Well, and student loan is, is, oh. I mean, I had someone in the other day, a teacher you know, who made 60, 70,000 starting mm -hmm. out new teacher. And they came in to discuss their $120,000 student loan payment Ouch. that might be kicking in, in the beginning of the year. Right. What are they going to do about it? I thought you, you, you're going to pay it. Make dude. payments. Remember when you signed, <laughs> signed on the line and said, I, I, I want, right? I want it. Cause that and student like loan a, got like a, you that job. So that was the point of it. Uh, I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're, moving, we're moving on. That was depressing. We spent a lot of time on that actually. The, um, this one's even more interesting. So like I said, why do we talk about this stuff? We talk about this stuff because it really does affect you. Mm -hmm. The debt loads in this country can have a, a impact 
on number one, the the financing rate, the the credit mm-hmm. rate of the United States. See if we're triple A plus rated and we become uh, B minus rated, that impacts the way that bonds work. That impacts a mm-hmm. lot of the markets. And so we like to talk about this stuff because it is relevant. Um, another one that's that's kind of a hampering thing on the economy. Remember, the second quarter GDP came in a little light, decent light. It came in at like six and a half percent when it should have been eight and a half percent. And so part of the problem is, is we've had this like kind of slow bump start with the economy. Yeah, things are going. Earnings are good. Things are moving. But there's still been this reluctance for people to fill jobs. And this mm-hmm. was fascinating if you're looking at the show. Job opening surge above 10 million for first time ever. Wow. 10.1. That's a lot job of openings. jobs. Yeah. Yes. To that point, I'm leaving. I'm going to find a job. <laughs> so, like, no, you're not. Boop, 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 bye. Yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. I got to be able to find a good job out there. I can yeah. work from home. It's awesome. Yeah. A lot of opportunity. It's Now's crazy. the time. So now granted, we understand that there's nobody looking for a job and that's the most important part, right? You know, everybody's fully employed. So all these job openings don't matter. Right. Tana. There's no. Just, no, there's a lot of unemployment. Is there? Let's see. Yes. The number was here somewhere. I think it's around 8 million, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, Labor department said on Friday's job report that there's yep. 8.7 million Americans looking for work. So let's put this in perspective. <laughs> 10.1 million job openings. people looking for work. Now I realize not all of those things line up directly, but it seems like some of them might line up occasionally. And I have feared that the biggest problem in this is the word looking. Yeah. Looking, how hard are we looking? Yeah. You know, define looking. I mean, obviously with the, the extra federal subsidies on Mm -hmm. um, unemployment coming off that, that should help. But there yeah. was a time here when, when if you lived in California as an individual, you were getting seven hundred and fifty bucks a week. Well, what if there's someone else in your household? You know, you're married occasionally, so now you got fifteen hundred bucks a week mm-hmm. coming in. That's eighty thousand ish dollars a year in a county that doesn't even average that as a, as the average income. Right. You got people literally making more, not working. Right. And then for most of the time period earlier in the year, there was no mandate from the unemployment to even look for work. It was just like collected and, and shelter in place. Mm-hmm. So you comfortable. Know, it's pretty bizarre, but it, I thought this was so fascinating. Over 10.1 million job openings. Like seriously, I'm going on to indeed, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it. I'm building a resume. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was somewhere the other day uh, with my mom. We were getting lunch and I swear everywhere you go, they have all these signs for yeah, um, we're hiring or you know hiring. Mm-hmm. And so I was at a place and, you know, I said, you know, we're looking for a dishwasher. And obviously my first thought was, dude, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I you could know, totally do that. In the back, <laughs> put in my headphones, listen to some podcasts. Nobody bugs you. <laughs> get some free arm exercises. Just really you know, scrub away at that stuff. And um, but what was funny was they had spelled the word dishwasher wrong. <laughs> and it was, it was missing a letter, you know. So I, I just kind of chuckled at that. But... <clears throat> Oh, that is awesome. Maybe it's not a dishwasher. Maybe it's a <laughs> French term for something else. The, uh, I don't know. Dishwasher. I don't know what that is for. It's another job. The, uh, uh, good point. So anyways, a <laughs> lot of job openings. Uh, the good news is, is we hope that as things normalize, as the government doesn't allow people to need to forego 
things. Now it's a challenge, right? Because the the president just extended uh, evictions, meaning people don't have to pay their rent necessarily. Um, you know, you have mortgage forbearance, you have student loan forbearance. You can get out a lot of this stuff at the moment. Mm -hmm. As that stuff normalizes and there's a mandate that people come back to work, um, you know, hopefully that's going to continue to press the economy forward. We shall see. You'd mentioned one point though, Tana, I don't know if you recall what it was earlier of what you thought might be one reason why some people don't go back to work right away. Oh yeah. So I was thinking, you know, as I talked to people, some people are very, you know, nervous, have anxiety about going back into the workforce yeah. because of, you know, COVID and then also the Delta variant. Yeah. So, you know, that's a legitimate concern. It is. And, and it's interesting because I think the longer that all of this goes on, it's like having PTSD. Mm -hmm. you, you've created right. a society that is scared to death where yes. historically they wouldn't have been. Right. Um, you know, it's, I don't want to say everyone's a hypochondriac now, but there is certainly an element of that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just fascinating because you know, I'll go to the CDC website here. Oh, I got it right here. I actually look at it. Anyone ever been to the CDC website? It is a miserable black hole of data. <laughs> <laughs> it is utterly disturbing. Um, what's what's funny though about it is, okay, let's let's talk about the flu, right? The flu is the more obvious thing, the influenza. What defines a bad flu season, Tana? Is it like there's things, right? There's cases, well, and there's deaths, right? What do you think defines the bad flu season? Is it deaths or is it cases? I would say deaths. And you're correct. So when we talk about a flat bad flu season, it's based on the mortality rate. You say, oh my gosh, look, it's just uh, the flu wiped out droves of people. Mm -hmm. We never really talk about cases. Ironically, when you look at kind of, I think his history on the way that viruses work, the more contagious the virus, actually the less deadly it commonly is. That's not always true, but mm -hmm. it's commonly true because mm -hmm. remember, if, if, a, if a virus has developed to be contagious, it doesn't want to kill all its hosts. It wants to spread mm. it around a lot. And so if you kill everybody instantly, it's hard for you to maintain Mr. Virus. Yeah, that's interesting. But either way, uh, what's interesting is we're having a big Delta spike. So he said that that is certainly playing into the psychology of the economy right now mm -hmm. with getting people back to work. So look here, here's the big pretty chart of daily cases. You notice something though, we had all these different waves. We had the big wave in December. We're not having a pretty healthy wave. It's technically the second biggest wave, right? If I scrizzle down into the data, we're averaging about 100,000 cases right now. But the rhetoric has changed on COVID. See, you go back to when the big spike was in the, uh, in the end of last year, mm -hmm. is we were still talking about the highly deadly COVID virus. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about the highly contagious COVID virus. Mm -hmm. The rhetoric has changed. The Delta is actually more contagious, totally true. But conversely, with vaccinated people, um, and the contagiousness of it, the mortality rate is significantly lower. So if I flip the, the website over to deaths, yeah, wow. you notice that from a wave standpoint, yeah, we're still in much lower. The so wow. second highest, you know, wave of cases, right? Right. But we have a fraction of the deaths. I mean, you go back to a you know where the you know by example where the the wave is at when you look at a hundred thousand cases. I mean, we should be averaging, you know, somewhere between 2,000 and 2,500 cases by comparison. Right. Granted, we have people passing away, but we're only averaging a little over 450 cases a day. Mm -hmm. So there's been a massive, massive, massive disconnect. Yeah, that's between, very interesting. Between cases and mortality. Mm -hmm. Obviously, 
the huge blessing is vaccinated folk, right? You know, that is really helping Mm -hmm. control it. Um, you know, 99.7% of the people that are passing away are unvaccinated at this point. So your risk as a vaccinated folk is negligible. And once again, the, the reason I bring this up is I, you know, I'm not a scientist. I'm not into all of this stuff. I am concerned how this data feeds into economics. And, mm-hmm. and the challenge that we have right now is we have this, this, this COVID psychology playing into economics, going mm-hmm. back to that theme of, Remember what I was talking about a second ago, all of these outstanding jobs. You are right, Tana. There is a swath of people that are just literally uncomfortable getting out there. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, if those are vaccinated people, that's unfortunate, right? Because the reality is statistics are absolutely on their side mm-hmm. um, that they're probably going to be OK. Um, so anyways, that was depressing. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it's all good news, right? You know, I think that's really you've fascinating. Got a surge of cases, but you don't have the mortality in the same respect. Exactly. No, that's and, great um, news. You know, in the way that the waves go, it looks like we're probably kind of getting through this wave. Absolutely. Also. And, you know, the waves exist. It's fascinating where the waves exist. If you break it down into state levels, you see it in places. Yeah, like Florida and Missouri and these different places. But when you think about the, the, the science of how it works is what's mm-hmm. happening like in Florida. It's hot and it's humid. People are all going inside and hiding together inside in the air conditioning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's where the cases pop up and all of that kind of stuff. That's that's always true with all viruses. So I don't know. What no, else? That's what a very we, good point. Uh, that was, well, I was going to mention that the annual open enrollment for Medicare is coming up. It's just around oh. the corner. So all oh the agents gosh, out right. there are preparing. They've all been doing their certification training modules. So they're going to be you know, ready to go to help uh, Medicare beneficiaries. But one thing to think about is um, we could always do a review on your prescription drug plan. That's the okay. best time to switch. Um, if you don't feel like you're getting, you know, low co-pays and your monthly uh, premium for your prescription drug plan is increasing for 2022, or if you want to know if it is, uh, let me know. I just need a, a yeah. list of your medications, the strength, and then how often you take them per day, once, twice all that good stuff. And then your preferred uh, pharmacy, I can see if they're in network preferred or standard that will determine whether you get the lowest copay or not. Um, The other thing is if you're in a Medicare Advantage plan, that would be the best time to switch out if you're not happy with it. Or if you're looking to go to back to original Medicare, um, like a Medicare supplement plan, like plan G or plan F if you are eligible for that, that's the best time to do that. If you're wanting to switch from a Medicare supplement plan F to a Medicare supplement plan G to get a lower monthly premium, then that has to be done during your birthday month. That is not something that you switch or change during the annual open enrollment that's coming up in October. So it's October 15th through December 7th. So something to think about, it's coming up soon, rather quickly, time is flying. Well, and you need to talk to someone that knows what they're talking about. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's the value of Tana is I feel like these commercials are so scammy. Yeah. Constantly. Oh, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. Just call us. Yeah. Up. Um, it doesn't work like that, right? You know, you've got limited options. You got to kind of do it right the first time. You need to stress test it and change things around when it makes right. sense. 
Well, that's what Tana's job is. She's here to help you guys out with that fun stuff. So don't hesitate to call us. In fact, here, I'll put up the banner. Where's the banner? I how to do that. <laughs> and if you're new to Medicare, the annual open enrollment has nothing to do with you being new to Medicare. When you're new to Medicare, just turning 65, you have your own special enrollment period. It's actually the initial enrollment period. So that's totally different. You don't have to worry about that coming back around again. Uh, you do get to switch during a specific time period separate from that open enrollment. All right. Well, if you have questions about that, give us a call. 805-500-7035. You can visit our main website, thelindgroup.com. Lind is spelled L-Y-N-D. And as always, Tana, thanks for joining us. Thank and you. Thanks for the info. And yeah. we will be back same time, same place of sorts <laughs> next week. Thank you for listening to The Wealth Puzzle. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Michael Mansfield at The Lind Group. Call 805-500-7035 or visit them online at thelindgroup.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Fee-based financial planning and investment advisory services are offered by the Lynn Group Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of California. Insurance products and services are offered through the Lynn Group LLC. The Lynn Group LLC and the Lynn Group Advisors LLC are not affiliated companies. Lynn Group LLC the Lynn Group Advisors LLC and Michael Mansfield are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.